Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Turn in your Bibles this morning, if you would, to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to read a little bit from Ephesians chapter 5, going to read a little bit from Acts. And we've been talking about refill. How do we get refill. We put gas in our cars when it's running low. We power up our computers. We charge our phones. And uh, somebody said something the other day, like, why did I get rid of my landline? As much as my phone is attached to the, to the wall charging, right? It's pretty much the same thing. I charge mine all the time. I charge it in the car. We fill it up. Why? Because if not, it goes dead. And I was thinking about actually filling up my car this week. And because uh, and, uh, my wife, she came to the offices, and she, um, we were switching uh, duties at the moment. I was going to take the kids at a half day, and she was going to finish out the rest of the day. And she said, hey, babe, if we switch cars, uh, the, my car's on empty. And initially I said, well, you better fill it up on the way home then. And I thought, that is a horrible husband. And I said, that's all right, babe, I'll take it. I will fill it up. And, uh, and so it was literally on E, the, the light is on. Now, how many of you guys are tempted when you see the light is on? How many of you guys are tempted to drive it as far as you can to see how many miles you can get, all right? Yeah, I'm the same way. I see, it's like a challenge to me. I'm a very competitive person. And when I see that orange light, it's like the car is challenging me to a competition. And uh, the car, you know, usually wins out. But that light was on and I got in. I was like, okay, girls, we got to find a gas station. And here's what I found myself doing. I found myself looking at the gas gauge continually. I didn't look at how fast I was driving. I kept looking at the gas gauge because I knew that the orange light was on and it was on E. And so we pulled up to go get gas at Costco. And the only good time to get gas at Costco is like 7 a.m., 8 a.m. in the morning, all right? And we pulled up and there was a line. I said, I'm not doing it. And so I pushed it a little bit further. And I kept looking at that, at that needle. I kept looking at that orange light, seeing how far I could go and, and hoping to make it to a gas station. I'll be honest with you, um, there was a couple times when I was a little bit concerned, okay? Not because the car was doing anything funky, but I knew the light had been on for a long time, and I was like, man, I need a gas station. Man, I need a gas. I need to fill this thing up. And uh, we made it to a gas station, okay? I wasn't, gonna, you know, I was thinking about making something up. We ran out of gas alongside the road, but that wouldn't have been true. But what I found was this. I find this all the time. When I put gas in my car and it's on, on full, I never find myself looking at the gas gauge. I never find myself wondering, am I going to make it to my destination? Am I going to make it where I'm supposed to be? But it's when the car's running on empty that I'm continually worried, continually looking at it. There's a reason why God wants you filled up in life. God wants you filled up in life so you are not worried about whether or not you're going to make it to your destination. Worried about whether or not you're going to make it on this journey called life. God wants you to be continually filled up so that you can run with vision, you can run with power, you can run with grace, and that's where God wants you to live. God does not want us, but far too often we find ourselves living on E. And so we've been talking about ways that we get filled up. Matter of fact, we had a great way uh, this last week uh, to get the parents filled up. And on Friday night, our kids' ministry sponsored Parents' Night Out. And it was awesome. And if you did not take advantage of that, that's your problem, okay? We took advantage of it. We dropped off, and it was so awesome watching the parents drag in with their kids. Kids you not. They drag in with their kids. They checked them in. But when they came back, I don't want to know what they did on their date, all right? But when they came back. When they came back, they had grins on their face. They were like holding hands, walking in to pick up their kids. Some of them, uh, they were milking the clock. 
and they were waiting in the parking lot until 9 o'clock before they walked in and picked up their kids. That's some smart parents right there. And the reason we did that is because, you know what, child care is expensive, right? I mean, to go to a movie, it's going to cost you 120 bucks by the time you pay for child care, okay? And so we said, hey, what can we do to help parents get filled back up? And there were so many that took advantage of that, and it was just awesome to see um, their faces when they came back and picked up their kids. And, and just one of the ways we wanted to try to help out here. But the, 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 the word tells us uh, throughout our studies over the last several weeks ways that we get filled up. And we've looked at that, and you can catch that online. Today I want to talk to you on this thought of refilled through the Holy Spirit. Refilled through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. And it says this, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, make sure the car has gas in it. Making the best use of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine. Aren't you glad it doesn't say do not drink wine? Come on, somebody. It says do not get drunk with wine. In other words, drink it, don't get drunk. Okay, now listen to this part, though. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Listen to this. But be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it says this, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. How many of you guys want some power in your life? Okay, a few of you. Okay, you're, you're too powerless to lift your hand. Okay. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. In other words, there's a reason why you need to be filled up. There's a reason why you need to be running on full. There's a reason why we need the Holy Spirit, and it's to do the work that Jesus Christ started many years ago. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, God, we thank you that your word is, is awesome. It's alive in this place. And God, I pray that uh, in the next few moments that we have together that you would speak to us, that you would bring clarity to the scriptures uh, for us that are in this place. And we walk out of here transformed. We walk out of here changed. And many of us would walk out of here challenged. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Amen. The minute that I said today I want to talk to you about being filled or refilled through the Holy Spirit, immediately that solicited a response in your mind. Immediately there was thoughts that you started to think, whether you, you come from a certain type of church background or, or maybe this is your first time at church, it solicited a response. Because depending on what your background is, and let me just talk to some church folks today, if you come from a certain type of church, uh, it's going to really uh, depict how you view the Holy Spirit, how you view what the Holy Spirit's job is, what his work is. But Scripture tells us what that is, and, and we're going to look at some of that today. And so you, you immediately might have had a thought because I've been to a church, and, and, and you know what? They spoke in a different language, and they said it was tongues. I've been to a different church, and man, they, 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 somebody was like climbing over the chairs, laying hands on people, and people were falling in their chairs. I thought he was beating people up. Come on, somebody. I was at one church, and man, the pastor got up, and he just blew on people. 
I don't know if it was just bad breath or what, but people were like, you know. Or maybe you come from a church that, that, that they don't even address the Holy Spirit because, I don't know, that's a little confrontational, and so let's talk about God, let's talk about Jesus. And they, don't, they, don't, they, they just kind of skip over 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 5 and Acts. And they don't know what to do with it. But you need to know something that this is the hour, this is the day, this is the time, this is the moment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not walking the earth anymore. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And he looked at his disciples and he said, hey guys, I need you to know something. It's better for you that I die. It's better for you that I I go to the cross and die. And I'm going to go up there. It's better for you because if I do that, then I'm going to leave you the helper, the Holy Spirit. It's good. The Holy Spirit's good. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's the third person of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ. He is God. He's distinguishable, but he's inseparable. He is the third part of the Godhead. And this is his hour, this is his time, and he is doing something in his people, and he's also doing something in those that aren't his people. He's doing a work in the world. He is the one that we most intimately uh, relate to, actually, right now. That we respond to. That when you feel the presence of God, it's not Jesus showing up in your room. That's the Holy Spirit. And he's right there. And so when you say, man, I just, I feel the presence of God, that's the Holy Spirit that you're feeling. And here we see in Ephesians that the Bible says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now, now listen to me, Ephesians when it says, hey, don't get drunk with wine, okay? Uh, in other words, there were times when people were in Acts, specifically, when people were getting touched by the Holy Spirit, the immediate response of people was to look and say, man, there's something different in them, and, and some people thought, man, it's too early to be getting drunk. That's what the Bible says. And so now, now Paul here, as he writes the church of Ephesus, saying, hey, look, guys, we need to distinguish something. Hey, you can't be living like that. Here's what you got to do. You got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you got to live differently, okay? But that word filled doesn't just mean a one-time filling. If you study it out in the Greek, it actually means a continual filling. It's repetitive. It's over and over. It's like your car when it begins to run on E, right? And you need to pull over at the gas station. You need to fill it up. This is what the Bible's saying. The Bible is saying, hey, you need to be continually filled with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Why would the Bible tell us that? Because life has a way of beating the presence of God out of us, right? Things in life have a way of draining us and depleting us, and so therefore we have to stop along the way. We we need to get filled up again with the Holy Spirit. Be continually filled with the Spirit. But how do I do that? How do I be continually filled with the Spirit? What does that mean? Right? What does that mean? How does that happen? What do I need to do? Okay? The Bible gives us a few things. Let me just tell you, this isn't the main point of my message today, but let me just give you a few things here. One is this. It's John 14, 21. And this is where Jesus is talking about, hey, I'm the vine You're the branches, and you need to remain or abide in me. In order to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to abide in the vine. We have to abide in Jesus Christ. 
We have to abide in him. Okay? It's, it, we talked about it, I think, maybe on day one, how silly it would be for us to find a puddle of gas and try to, try to shove the puddle of gas into our gas tank. Right? What do you need? You need that pump. And it needs to be connected to the car. You've got to be connected to Jesus. You've got to be in the vine in order to be continually filled by the Holy Spirit. But what does it mean to be, be abiding? What does it mean to abide? Well, I think about my kids. And I, I, I have a home, and this is my house. Why is it my house? Because I pay for it. My kids don't pay a thing. Matter of fact, they cost a lot of money. And all the parents said, amen, right? This is my house. I have rules. You want to abide in my house, you obey my rules. You want to live in this house, here's bedtime, here's your chores, here's dinner time, here's lunch time, here's the way you respect your mother, here's the way you respect your father, and as long as you walk in obedience to that, you can abide in the house. How do I abide in Christ? Here's his supper time, here's his rules, here's his bedtime, and as long as you are obedient to this, you are abiding in Christ. Pretty simple. So that means I need to probably read it. The reason a lot of us are not being continually filled with the Spirit is because we are running around. No, maybe we're not looking for the wine and getting drunk, but we're looking for substance. We're looking for something. We're looking for for an object to try to fill us, to give us that emotional high, to give us that sensation so we can say, oh, I got filled with the Spirit. But that's not it. Listen, you can't run to a worship service. You can't uh, run to a a movement. You can't even run to a a Sunday morning, you know, preaching or whatever. You can't run to that and find the presence of God. Listen to me. If you want to be continually filled with the Spirit, what you need to do is you personally need to abide in Christ. You need to abide there. You need to live there. That was really good. The Bible says this. Talking about how I'm continually filled with the Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, we won't read it today, but write it down. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. If you want to be continually filled with the Spirit, you cannot grieve the Spirit. How do I grieve the Spirit? Here's the way you grieve the the Holy Spirit. Unrepentant sin. If there is sin in my life and I have not repented, I am grieving the Holy Spirit. And if you grieve the Holy Spirit, you cannot be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this thought, though, of being filled with the Spirit. Because if you look at Galatians chapter 5, and maybe a lot of you know this, starting about verse 22, there's what's called the gifts of the Spirit. How many of you guys heard the gifts of the Spirit before? Right? Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, patience, and, and all those, right? And you've heard of those before. That is the gifts of the Spirit. So when I am continually filled with the Spirit, by abiding in Christ, continually filled with the Spirit, that means there's gifts, and really what it is, excuse me, the the fruit, I'm sorry, the fruit of the Spirit. And and there's the fruit of the Spirit in my life. This is the evidence, this is the overflow, this is the outflowing of, oh wow, that person's abiding in Christ. How do you know that? Because look at the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, that's on their life. Right? Now here's, 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 I, I have conversations with people. And I'll have people pray, ask me to pray this for them. They'll say, hey, can you just pray um, that I have more patience? 
And I say, I can't do that. Well, what do you mean you can't do that? Because me praying for more patience for you isn't going to give you patience. There are things you can pray for, okay? Patience is not one of those. Count it all joy, my brother, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your produces patience. Oh. So really what you're, you're asking me to pray for is two things. You're asking me to pray for hardship to come upon you. And secondly, what you're really asking me to do is you're asking me to pray that you would have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because as you encounter the Holy Spirit by abiding in Christ, the fruit, the evidence of that is, hey, I got more patience. Right? And, but here's one thing I know, is that you don't really know that you have more patience until you're in a circumstance that you need to exercise more patience. Aren't you glad that God doesn't answer some of your prayers? Right? Or someone will say, hey, pastor, uh, would you just pray that I have more self-control? Sure, I'll pray that you encounter the Holy Spirit. I just got this issue and I just need more self-control. No, what you need is more of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I get that? By abiding in Christ. Well, how do I abide in Christ? By going right here. It's pretty easy, right? And they'll ask that, more self-control. But remember now, the only way you're going to know that you have more self-control is when you're put in a situation and circumstance where you're going to have to exhibit self-control. Some of you guys are thinking right now, huh? Like, oh, I should have never asked pastor to pray that for me. fruit of the Spirit. Read about it. It's awesome. This happens as we are continually filled with the Spirit. But here's what I want to get at today. What, what, is, what is the Holy Spirit doing today? What is the Holy Spirit? Ben, you said it's the, it's the hour of the Holy Spirit. It's the day of the Holy Spirit. So what's he doing? What's his work? What's his job? We know that Jesus went to the cross died there for our sins, rose again from the grave so that we could have a, a brand new life. How many of you guys are thankful for that? But Jesus himself said, it's better that I do that so I can leave you the one that's coming after me, the Holy Spirit, the helper. So what's his job? We see in scripture, yeah, that he comforts. He's an advocate. He leads us and guides us in all truth. But here are the two primary jobs of the Holy Spirit as seen in scripture that are happening today on earth. The first one is this, and not necessarily in this order, but the first one I'll look at is this. It's in the life of an unbeliever. The Holy Spirit is working in the lives of unbelievers. This is what it says in John 16.8. It says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of the judgment that's coming. Who's the world? We're not of this world. We've been saved by grace through faith. Okay? Jesus Christ, work on the cross, we acknowledge that, we receive him, Lord and Savior of our life, we turn from sin, we turn from wickedness, we begin to live differently, okay? We're no longer of the world, we're in the world but not of the world. So this verse is specifically talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those that don't know him yet. And that is a powerful thought, that he loves people so much John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. This is God loving the world. God loved the world. He sent Jesus. He loved the world so much that he sacrificed his one and only son. 
died on the cross, and then Jesus, though, as he's walking the earth, looks at his disciples and he says, hey guys, I love you so much. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you. Here's what I'm going to do. I love you so much that I'm going to leave, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, the helper. And now the Holy Spirit loves people, loves humanity so much that even though we might not be doing the work of ministry, even though we might not be going out and evangelizing, the Holy Spirit is working on your boss right now. The Holy Spirit is working on your coworkers. He's working on, on, on your family members that are, that are not yet connected with Jesus, and he is convicting them of sin. How many of you guys have ever done anything wrong before? The rest of you are doing something wrong right now. You're lying. Okay, so now everybody should raise their hands, right? And there's that, there's that, there's that thing that, that inside of you, that in, that, and we call it intuition or we call it whatever, you know, and, oh, man, I, I feel bad about this. Why do you feel bad about that? The reason you feel bad about that is because the Holy Spirit how did you come to Jesus in the first place? It wasn't just because a good-looking, tall preacher preached at you. Come on, somebody. It was because the Holy Spirit was working inside of you, in your life, in your heart, convicting you, convincing you that, hey, that's truth. You're living in error. You need to get out of error and come into the light. This is what he's doing. He's working. That's why the Bible says this. Listen, because I... I know that I would love to, like, like, you know, make converts. I can't make anybody. I would like to make Christians. I would like to make somebody. When I encounter somebody, I'd be, you need to know Jesus. <laughs> you know? Sometimes that would be easier, right? <laughs> I would love to do that. But I can't. It's not my job. It's not my place. My job, tell people the truth. What's the truth? God's word. I tell them that, and then the Holy Spirit has a larger platform to work on now, to go after people and to, to work in people. My job is just to plant and to water. What does the Bible say in Corinthians? Some plant, some water. God gives the increase. As much as I would love to cause the increase. Now listen, uh, the Holy Spirit's doing this in the life of unbelievers, but he does it in our life too. I wish that when we all came to Jesus, we were perfect people. Like just, whoosh, we're perfect now. But I've been doing this long enough and working with people long enough, and I know myself enough to realize that, you know what, there's still some flaws. And, and so what do I do? I just keep telling people the truth. As much as I want to change them, okay, let me rewind. As much as sometimes I want to beat them, I can't lie on stage, right? I don't. And yes, sometimes my wife has to restrain me. Actually, it's the other way around, huh, baby? I got to restrain her. <laughs> I don't. What do I do? I tell them the truth. And I've actually had people get mad at me when they finally see the truth. They're like, why didn't you just, like, why didn't you just, like, force me? Why didn't you, like, make me? Why didn't you, like, punch me? I said, oh, well, I put your picture on a punching bag at home, and believe you me, I was... <laughs> Because it's not my job. I can't change anybody. I just continue to tell, and it's the Holy Spirit now that's doing that work. Hmm. What else is he doing? He's working in the life of the believer. He's working in the life of those that are Christians. What's his work? Here's his work, Acts 1-8. 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now notice there's a comma and not a period. Okay? And I think far too often times we put a period right there in the middle of that sentence. And we, when we, we think, man, okay, I'm going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. Woo! What's up? I just, I just received power. Right? But there's a comma. And it says, and you will be. Not you have the opportunity to be. Not you can now. It says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power for a purpose. Power for a purpose. That word power, it's the word dunamis. And it means divine ability to do things. Authority meaning supernatural power. I, have now, I now have meaning in my life, power, divine ability to go and make disciples. I now have the authority in my life to go and reach people for Jesus Christ. I now have a supernatural power working in me, not so I can, but I will go make disciples of Jesus. I will go reach people that are far from him and bring them into relationship with him. But see, here's the thing. I, I come from a charismatic background. See, some of you might have thought, oh, I thought you were a Baptist church. No, I'm not. We're not. I can, are we a charismatic church? No, we're just, we love Jesus. You know, we talked about that, right? Am I a little bit on the charismatic side? Anybody that's hung out with me long enough knows, yes, I am. Okay? I come from that. And, and here's the thing. I love where I come from. But far too often where I come from, we put a period in the, in the middle of verse 8 that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we put a period there, and so now we begin to think about, okay, what does that look like? Well, what does that, when there's Holy Spirit, power, what, what does that look like? And listen to me, I love my movement, I love where I come from. And, I, and those that have traveled with me and I've spoken at different, you know, conferences and things like that, they've seen me as I, as I begin to get a prophetic word where I lay hands on people and all of a sudden they do a week all being slain in the spirit. That's right, yeah, I, I, I've had that happen both to me. Okay? And I can, I, can, I can stand here and tell you today I was not faking it. I wasn't taking one for the team. Okay? Okay? There was no catchers, you know? Like, like are they there? Are they there? Hey, 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 okay. You know? I, I've been laid out by the Holy Spirit. Why does the Holy Spirit that? I don't fully know why the Holy Spirit does that. I really don't. But, but the way I look at it is this, is if the Holy Spirit has to knock you out in order to get your attention, go ahead, Holy Spirit. I mean, he had to knock Paul off his donkey. Right? To get his attention. And if that's, what, you know, and I, I have no problem with that, but if we just put a period there and say, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit, you uh, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Oh, power. What's that look like? What's that look like? And so we come up with, well, the, the manifestations of the Spirit. Well, where, where are those? Now listen to me, I don't want to argue with anybody's experience because I know what I've experienced. And I love where I came from. 
And man, if someone comes up in our, in our services, which ha- has happened before, it's not like it's an every Sunday occurrence and God knocks them out because that's the only way they can get their attention because some people are more hard-headed than others. Whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in their life, when they come up, I know this. There better be life change. And how do we know if there's life change? Because the sentence goes on. And it says, now you're going to go and you're going to reach others for me. You're going to go and you're going to reach others for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Listen, I, I've been in those services, man. I've seen people that were blind and their eyes opened. I prayed for young men, broken arm, boom, supernaturally healed. How do we know that? Because I told them to rip off their cast. And then my wise wife in the back was like, no, lawsuit, stop it. I was like, yes, let's not do that here. Go to the doctor. He went to the doctor tomorrow. They took off the cast, sure enough, healed. Yeah. Seen that. But listen to me. The, the manifestations are awesome. Even the gifts of the Spirit. Now here's the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12. Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, gifts of the Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit. And you can go and read them in 1 Corinthians 12 and, man, words of knowledge and words of wisdom and prophetic words and the gift of faith and the working of miracles and all that. I love that. Why? Because it's Bible. And I love seeing that operating in our, in our services and in our community groups and in the lives of those that have, uh, have been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. I love seeing those gifts in operation. But look at what the gifts of the Spirit are there for. The gifts of the Spirit are not to go out and begin to reach people. The gifts of the Spirit are for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ so that now they can go out and do the work of the ministry and reach those that are far from Jesus. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is not there so that, oh, I just, I just felt the presence of God. Awesome. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with it? Oh, man, I, just, I don't know, but I just felt him. Awesome. It's great. But what are you doing? Because the primary work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is that you would receive dunamis, you would receive power, you'd be filled up with divine ability to do things. What is that? To go out and preach the gospel, share, share your life of faith with your friends, and bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is it. Listen to me. One of the most biggest perplexing ministries to me is this, is this plan called redemption that God came up with. The plan where, where God strategically goes after those that do not know him and are far from him and bring him into a relationship with him. It is an absolute mystery to me. It boggles my mind when I begin to think about it. Because when I begin to read back through the Bible, what, what I begin to see as a reoccurring theme over and over and over and over again is that everything God does for the world, everything God does for humanity is fundamentally based in this thought called love. For God so loved the world. When I read back in the text and I read into the Old Testament and I see that how much God loved his, his people, Israel, and they would turn their back from him. And what would he do? He would go after them. And sometimes, yeah, he, you know, as it says in, in the Bible, that he would have to issue them a certificate of divorce. But even in that certificate of divorce, that was motivated out of love. 
Everything God does is done in love. Not because he can love, not because he chooses to love, but because he simply is love. Everything he does is love because that's who he is. Listen to me, God does not possess love. It's not like his biggest character quality. You know, you can look at people and say, oh man, your biggest character quality is this. No, it's not his biggest character quality. He is love. Everything that flows out of him is done in love. Even when he gets upset as his children, it is done in love. He loves because he is love. And that's why the Bible can say things like this. Although you make your bed in the pit of hell, I'm going to be there with you. What? We went, we went to a, uh, a retirement or assisted living home the other day. And there was this 90-year-old woman that sat there and listened to the message that Brandon preached. By the way, yesterday was a highlight for me. Yesterday was a highlight because Brandon was preaching at a retirement center and Caleb was doing a wedding. And I just sat there and I was just like, man, this is awesome. Look at what God's doing in our church, raising up pastors, doing the work of the ministry. And man, that's so awesome because now I don't have to do both on the same day. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but there was this 90-year-old woman, and Brandon's whole, really, if I could boil it down, his whole, his whole theme of his message was God loves you. Not because of what you're doing. Not because of anything you did. Not because you can do something to achieve God's love. God loves you because of who you are. I'm a sinner, and he loves you. And this woman, this nine-year-old woman, she could not wrap her mind around that. And she looked at her and said, I've done so many bad things in my life. I don't understand how God can love me. Neither do I. It's a mystery. I don't get it. I don't understand. But when I read John 3.16, I'm so glad he put these, these, these two letters together because it makes the whole entire verse that much more meaningful. The Bible doesn't say that God loved the world. It says, for God so loved the world. I don't know about you, but those two letters, when I'm reading my Bible, those two letters make me so happy. When I tell my wife, I, this is what I say, babe, I love you so much. But I'm never, when I'm eating my burger and I love the burger, I never say, man, I love this burger so much. Come on, somebody. I say, I love this burger. It's pretty good. But my wife now, come on now. She's a step above a burger. Come on. For God so loved the world. His whole plan of redemption is motivated out of love. God so loved the world. Do you understand that? Do you get that today? Do you understand this so love? Have you ever met somebody that loves somebody so much and you look at them and you think you are odd, you are awkward, you are different because they will do anything. They will show up to their kids' you know, basketball game with shirts embroidered with their names on it. And they will run up and down the court, come on, son! Y'all know what I'm talking about. Listen, I, I know what it's like because I have parents that, that so loved me. My parents so love me so much, and listen, maybe you don't fully comprehend or grasp this until you've adopted children or had children, or maybe you've been in a home like this that your parents loved you like this. But I still remember in high school, look, it was one thing when I was in sixth grade, and my parents came and they yelled at the basketball games. 
It is another thing when you are on a senior in high school and your parents are standing up yelling at the other team, that's my son, leave him alone. True story. My dad almost got, he was like 57 years old, he almost got in a fight with two people in the stands at Salton High School. Do you remember? My dad does not know the first thing about fighting. But he was ready to go to blows. Why? Because he so loved me. He loved me so much. Hey, you can't treat my son. The dad, chill out. It's a basketball game. Stop it. Plus, they go to our church, Dad. Knock it off. (laughs) And then I realized, when I started having children of my own, that I'm the creepy, so-loved parent. (laughs) That I sneak into their room at night and open the door and walk up to their bed as they're sleeping, and I just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why does God want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why does the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 5, be continually filled with the Spirit? It's not about you. It's because God so loved the world that he wants you to be filled up and ready to go into action and to go after people that are far from him. The gifts of the Spirit, they have nothing to do with you other than he wants you to be edified and built up and cheery. So when you leave church, you can say, i got to go tell somebody about Jesus because God so loved the world that he is the creepy guy peeking down on you right now. Come on, somebody. Listen, I don't care if you get slain. I don't care if you speak in another language. I don't care if you get the Holy Ghost goosebumps or whatever you you call them. As long as you understand that the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, because he loves the world and he wants to empower you he wants to empower you so you can begin to see with eyes of love and of eyes of faith and go and win somebody to go and to bring somebody that is far from him into a relationship with him Jesus said, I love you so much. I'm not going to leave you. Because I've spent three and a half years with you, and I've seen you. You're just going to blow it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave you. Holy Spirit, the helper. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you in all truth. And when he comes upon you, get ready. Because you're not going to be able to contain yourself. You're going to go, and you're going to share my love with other people. Go back to Ephesians chapter 5 sometime today. Look at the heading of that passage. We get to the text. This is be continually filled with the Spirit. But if you go all the way back, it says, walk in love. For God so loved the world that he not only gave his Son so that you and I 
have forgiveness of sins and come into relationship with him. But God so loved the world that he sent you and me, the Holy Spirit, so that we could go and share that love with others. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.